0: And so it's not an individualistic thing either. Sabbath isn't about just me getting a day off. It's about the community being together for the restoring work of God, reflecting his his rhythm of creation and reflecting his heart of redemption. Well, hello and welcome to the Gospel Chapel podcast. My name is Doug Dunbar, I'm the lead pastor at Gospel Chapel. Over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at the topic of Sabbath and how it can apply to our lives today. I don't know about you, but I find myself busy, tired, run down a lot. And I think there's some things in my life I know I need to change. I need to uh, make some changes uh, so that I can have a healthier rhythm in my life. Rich Velodis, in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, writes this, there's a quality of rest we need that is more than ceasing from work. The quality of rest we need is from God alone. Jesus affirmed it this way, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, Matthew 11:28. 28. The way to experience this kind of rest is not found in something we do, it's found in something that God has done. And so, as we get into this, we don't want to. I want to present this as something we have to do. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not tying up another burden on our lives, something to add to our lives, uh, but something that we need to do to let go, uh, to let go of control, to let go of the need to produce all the time. So, over the next four weeks, I hope that you will be encouraged to check out the practice of Sabbath and maybe. Take a break. So, this morning we're going to be starting a four week series on the practice of Sabbath. And I sent out an email earlier this week that had a bunch of different resources and some questions and uh, some different things around Sabbath. And uh, we want to kind of, I I think, engage not just the, the, the knowledge, I mean, one of the things that happens, and this is something we're going to be talking a lot about in this group that meets this afternoon is that what's the difference between a habitual churchgoer and a resilient disciple? And it's very interesting because a lot of the research, you know, there's different things that, that uh, um, a habitual churchgoer will agree or disagree with on certain things. And, and uh, it's actually quite interesting to see that, that, uh, the numbers on that. Maybe I'll share some of that as we go through this series. But one of the things that happens when we're habitual churchgoers sometimes is we get used to a lot of input and not a lot of practice. We know more about the Bible than we do. And I know that's true for me. It's kind of an occupational hazard. But we want to engage this question of Sabbath. And one of the questions might come up as well. You know, Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath, and if Jesus is Lord, then, you know, maybe we need to think about how he approached Sabbath, what he saw intrinsically good in it, and see what that means for us today. Some people will say, well, Sabbath is an Old Testament thing, and it's a Jewish practice. It has no bearing on the New Testament church. Um... It's actually one of the only, it's the only ten, one of the 10 commandments that's not repeated um, in the New Testament. There's no command, like when the, when the apostles get together and they have to deal with this question of, should we make uh, Gentile people follow Jewish custom of circumcision, they say, no, just don't eat uh, food sacrificed to idol or meat with blood in it and you know stay pure. That's all we're gonna ask of you. Um, and so they don't actually put the Sabbath in there. Paul doesn't talk much about it. Uh, Hebrews talks about it in a very kind of a Sabbath rest that's eternal, and we'll talk about that a bit. But, but, but I think, you know, there's a danger in saying, well, just because it doesn't say it does, doesn't mean it doesn't have something for us. Jesus practiced Sabbath regularly. It's his habit. This is actually in Luke chapter four that was read earlier It was his habit to be in this, to to take Sabbath, and to be in community with people, uh, worshiping, and so we'll we'll look at that. Also, one of the dangers is, it's an argument from silence to say, well, it doesn't say it, so therefore it doesn't apply, and you got to kind of be careful around those things. I think for most of the New Testament writers, it was almost as if they assumed this kind of rhythm. To life, And so they didn't necessarily need to talk about it too much or to say that this is something we need to enforce as a law. Plus, it just wasn't a law that was like, you have to do it exactly this way. I think there's great freedom then in how we need to approach this. And we'll look at Romans 14 down the line too. Today, what I want to do is just kind of talk through some key passages. I don't have an outline for you. I don't have an outline for myself too much. What I have is a series of passages for us to consider and just a few comments on each one. And then we'll, we'll look into this because I think what, I don't know about you, but I am feeling, especially since Christmas, I'm not sure what it is, but I feel more exhausted, more in need of rest. And, and not just physical rest, but emotional rest spiritual rest. I need a renewing that goes deeper than just having a day off. Now, that's the other thing. Sabbath isn't just stopping from work. There's more to it, and we'll, we'll get into that. We're going to basically take the next four weeks minus—I uh, was going to start this beginning of February, but then the uh, schedule all changed, so I backed it up a week, and, and like I said, uh, I'll be gone next week. And so, You have two weeks to kind of mull this over a little bit. So where do we start with Sabbath? Well, we start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Sound of music, right? Okay, I was trying to make sure I got the right movie. Anyway, the very first time Sabbath is really talked about is in Genesis chapter 1 right at the very end and into chapter two. Again, it's one of these places where the chapter division, I wish we would just get rid of these things so we could read the story as the author wrote it and not break it up into bits and pieces. But Genesis chapter one, 31 to two, three. God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God saw everything that he had made, and it was very good. At the end of your work week, do you sit back and go, Wow, that was an awesome week. No. (laughs) I'm getting a bunch of, uh, you know. I'm pretty sure God didn't get to the end of the creation week and go, oh, thank God it's Friday. (laughs) You know, he he doesn't go into the day of rest exhausted and worn out. Now, of course, he's God. But he goes into it with joy. He saw that everything was very good. Work is fulfilling when approached in the right way, when approached from being in partnership with God. He's not exhausted, he's exhilarated. This is God's act of joy in everything he has done. God finished his work, God rested, and this is where the the, the verb uh, Shabbat comes in he stopped and he set this day apart god blessed the seventh day and made it holy you now out of all the weeks of creation there's only one that is set apart there's only one that is repeated over and over there's only one that is central its day 7 Again, I really have a problem with the six-day creation thing because it forgets the seventh day. And the seventh day is the most important. It's holy. It's set apart. It's sacred. Because God said, look at this beautiful world and this universe. And he rejoices in it. Now, Where are we in the mix of this? Last thing that God creates is humanity. Humanity is created last. And so what happens right away? We get to go to sleep. Because the day starts in the evening, not in the morning. Jewish, ancient, Near Eastern thing, time. Sundown is the beginning of the next day. And so the first thing humanity enjoys is sleep. The, the place where you're most inactive and most vulnerable. Because you can't respond to what's going on around you much. Unless you're one of those super light sleepers who just... But then the whole next day, first day, God didn't create us to work God created us to be with him first, and then out of that, engage in work. God creates an unhurried, restful, simple relationship with us. This is foundational to Sabbath right here. Now, Sabbath isn't talked about for a long time after this first spot. The first time it's commanded isn't actually in the Ten Commandments, it's actually in Exodus chapter 16. Now, Exodus chapter 16 might be, from the author's point of view, might be looking back at it and kind of imposing the Ten Commandments on it, but it's first really fleshed out in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus 15, we had the great song of salvation. Exodus 14, uh, the, the Pharaoh's army had them trapped between the Red Sea and the... And the army and people of Israel were like, ah, we're gonna die. Was it that there was no graves in, Israel, graves in Egypt that you brought us out here so the Egyptians could kill us. And God saved them, parted the Red Sea. They get to the other side. They have this great worship service, this great song that's Exodus chapter 15. <clears throat> and the very next day, we're starving, we're gonna die. And so God provides them with manna from heaven. But he says, gather it for one amount. Gather what you need for the day. Don't save it for the next day. Just gather what you need for today. Give us this day our daily bread. But on the sixth day, gather twice as much because the next day you're not going to have anything. And so people kind of follow, sort of. But a whole bunch of people on the seventh day, they go out to gather it because they think, "Oh, we only have enough for today. <laughs> what if God doesn't provide again? See, the whole thing was an issue of trust. Exodus 16, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be None. This is Exodus 16, 26 to 30. On the seventh day, some people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Underline that. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day, so the people rested on the seventh day. You see, failure to keep Sabbath is a failure of trust in God's gift, in God's provision, and in God's rest. The Sabbath celebrates that God has given us a gift, the gift of of rest. He has provided for us. And the question I think that might be behind all of this is do we really believe that God has our best interests in heart, and do we trust him deeply to provide for us? I think that's the struggle sometimes. Especially, you know, they're coming out of slavery. They're coming out of a, and kind of, they need to learn to trust. And so this is kind of the first step. Do you trust me to provide you with food? the basic necessities of life and i want you to take a day where you're not working you're just being well then we get to the 10 commandments exodus chapter 20 verses 8 to 11 remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so we come full circle, Genesis 20, uh, Genesis chapter one in, in verse uh, Chapter 1 to v- chapter 2 and the Ten Commandments. Remember to rest because it reflects your Creator. It reflects the rhythm of creation. So remember, remember the Sabbath. Really, this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that sets in place a weekly rhythm. Everything else is like, this is how you navigate your relationship with God. This is how you navigate your relationship with other people day to day. But this one right in the middle, and it actually, in in word count, takes up one third of the 10 commandments. It's the most explained, the most expanded upon of the commandments. And it has to do with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And it falls right in the middle. It's kind of the fulcrum That shifts from, you know, have no other gods before you. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. All of these things about our relationship with God. And then the fulcrum point is the Sabbath command. That's about reflecting God's character, but it's also about our relationships with one another. Remember to rest in your creator. That's the the big reason given in Exodus chapter 20. Now we get to Deuteronomy chapter 5, And the reason changes as to why we're to remember the Sabbath day. No mention of creation here, but mention of redemption. Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Remember your redemption. Remember your Redeemer and then reflect your Redeemer. Reflect your Redeemer. So whoever is working for you, and it doesn't matter who it is, your whole family and the people under your care are to have a day of rest And so it's not an individualistic thing either. Sabbath isn't about just me getting a day off. It's about the community being together for the restoring work of God, reflecting his His rhythm of creation and reflecting his heart of redemption. It also corrects us and it protects us from oppression of others. It protects us from oppressing others, and if you kind of get the bigger picture, not only the Sabbath day, but then the the, every seventh year, uh, you know, in in the in the seventh year, if anybody has been enslaved, then you're to let them go. And 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 the sabbatical year, the fiftieth year, the year of jubilee, this was the year where it was like, okay, if you owed a debt, canceled your mortgage, gone. Uh, if you're living on somebody else's property, then it goes back to the, uh, the, the founding, the, the people that had it first. It's kind of like a, a financial reset of the whole economy. Everybody is on level ground again. All debts are canceled. All slaves are set free. <laughs> like, that would be a weird world to live in, wouldn't it? But that's what the Bible starts outlining for us. See, one of the things that happens with the Sabbath, especially in Deuteronomy, is, is that it, it kind of addresses an issue in our own hearts that, that, you know, how often, you know, even, you know, let's say kindergarten kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what's the expected response? It's always career-related. Always. We define ourselves by our work. We define ourselves by what we do. How we make money. But I think what God wants us to experience in and through Sabbath is remember that you are a slave and I set you free. Remember that your work does not define your life. Oppression and exploitation must not define God's people and here is a group of people who grew up generation after generation of being enslaved and we know from world history what happens is that when an oppressor is defeated and when the oppressed go free what generally happens is the oppressed become the next oppressor that's the cycle of human it's what we do And God's saying, I want to protect you from doing that to other people. Freedom, community celebration, God is forming and freeing his people. This is what Sabbath does for the people of God. Reflect your creator, follow the rhythms that he has set right in creation, and reflect your redeemer who sets the captives free. And we come to the New Testament, Jesus gets in trouble all the time. Why? Because he's healing people on the Sabbath. Or he's standing up and saying, hey, this is exactly why I have come. And they're like, well, that's, what are you talking about? In Mark chapter 2, after Jesus heals somebody, he says this, he said this to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This protects us against legalism, moralism, and self-interest. Protects us against legalism, moralism, and self-interest. You know, and this, this too, here's what Jesus is doing. The man with the withered hand, all sorts of other people that he heals, he is restoring them. To health and wholeness. If you go to a Jewish synagogue on Saturday, the greeting is Shabbat Shalom. Stop, rest, and experience the peace and the wholeness of God. Shalom. Peace, wholeness, fullness. That's what Jesus came to bring. That's what Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21 is all about. He's Lord of the Sabbath and he is bringing peace and wholeness and restoration and healing into the lives of people. This is what Jesus is all about. And this is what Sabbath celebrates. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, for we who believe enter that rest Enter present tense, ongoing action. We enter it. It's available now. And the author of Hebrews continues in chapter 4, verses 9 to 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. This <laughs> need irony there. We'll unpack this in the coming weeks. Strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And he's reflecting on the Exodus 16 problem. And here we see that the celebration of Sabbath is not just about reflecting our Creator, reflecting our Redeemer. It is also anticipating the full and eternal rest that God has for his people. And so when we practice Sabbath, we're also saying, come Lord Jesus. Because what happens in Sabbath eternally is that all the other days of the week fall away. And we experience a Sabbath rest that goes on forever. The wholeness, the freedom that God has for us in Jesus Christ. Psalm 23, I think, is a great psalm to reflect on when it comes to Sabbath. And most of us know this one we haven't memorized. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is the restorer of our souls and God leads us and guides us. He determines the rhythm and the pace of life. That's what this psalm is about. God is determining the rhythm and the pace of your life. We need some help in that because so often the pressures of this life determine the pace. The brokenness of this world determine the pace of our lives. And in ignoring God's rhythm, we violate the Creator's care and His intention and His gift of Sabbath to us. We don't get to the restoring of our souls when we're always busy and frantic and have one more thing to do. Next. Well, I'm going to come to this back to this passage in Matthew 11. But reflecting on Hebrews chapter 4, 9 to 11, I found this in the, uh, the Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary. This is a quote, The Sabbath activities of Jesus are neither hurtful provocations nor mere protests against rabbinic legal restrictions. Again, this is going back to all the controversy Jesus stirred up over healing on the Sabbath. They're not merely protests against rabbinic legal restrictions, but they are part of Jesus' essential proclamation of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, in which man is taught the original meaning of the Sabbath, as the recurring weekly day of the Lord in which God manifests his healing and saving rulership over man. The recurring weekly day of the Lord in which God manifests his healing and saving rulership over man. And it continues a little later. The experience of Sabbath rest points to a present rest, reality in which those who believe are entering Chapter 4, verse 3. It points to a future rest reality in 4.11. Physical Sabbath keeping on the part of the new covenant believer as affirmed by Sabbath rest epitomizes cessation from works. Hebrews 4.10. A commemoration of God's rest in creation and manifests faith in the salvation provided by Christ. Now listen to this. Hebrews 4.3-11 affirms that physical Sabbath rest is the weekly outward manifestation of the inner experience of spiritual rest in which the final eschatological rest is experienced already today. Thus, Sabbath rest combine, combines in itself creation commemoration, salvation experience, and eschaton anticipation as the community of faith moves toward the final consummation of total restoration and rest. So what does that mean? (laughs) That means I think that Sabbath is kinda like the Lord's table. It reminds us that God has worked to secure our salvation. We do not now experience it in its fullness nor do we have the fullness of Sabbath. It is a sign and a symbol of what is eternally secured for us in Christ. And now imagine if you were to start taking a full 24 hours of rest, of stopping. We're going to look at these four things over the next number of weeks. Stopping, resting, delighting, and worship. That a whole day would be spent, that not just an hour and a bit on a Sunday morning but that you would have a day where God is the central focus and you say no to anything else. Where being with family and doing things that give you life and joy and feed your soul rather than drain you. Those things were happening on a regular basis. How different could our lives be? You know, think of it this way. This is a one to seven r- ratio. If you were to live for 70 years and you were to practice Sabbath, that would mean ten, 10 years, 10 years of your life focused on being with God, enjoying his presence, celebrating his creational rhythm, rejoicing in his salvation and anticipating being with him forever. That's what Sabbath is to be about, is to be about this anticipation of, the, I, I'm trying to pull what, what we're going to experience in eternity into the present, and, and on this one day we're going to practice that, because it's kind of like rehearsal, right? It's rehearsal for heaven, and when you when you do rehearsal, you you know, you you, you mess up sometimes. Every week when you know our worship teams rehearse. It's not like we nail the song every time. You know, it's like, oh, let's try this. Oh, we missed that. Uh, that chord's wrong. Let's, we're not playing together at all. And you know, and it's this development. But it's, as we grow, and, and this is an interesting thing, even right now, it's totally off topic, but just because our, our two worship teams are playing so much together, we're actually moving together as musicians in a much freer way. And as we rehearse Sabbath, As we maybe try to put in one practice, maybe it'll be awkward at first. We won't get it right. But as, I can't remember the guy's name, the psychologist and what about Bob? Baby step to the door. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps to the Sabbath. Sabbath. We need, I think, in our world, this would be kind of a radical, countercultural thing to just say, you know what, I'm busy today. Actually, no, I'm not busy today. I can't come out and play. I'm just taking a day to be with family and with God. Because I think our culture is pushing us so much. It's so hurried, so demanding, so fractured, so unhealthy that to actually take a day to stop and to rest, to be with God in unhurried, unscripted community, setting aside any pressure of agenda simply for his purposes of restoring our souls, of healing our hearts, of transforming our mind, of growing in our trust and deepening our worship, expanding our joy in him, and what he's done for us would be radically countercultural. So, we're going to be looking at four practices of Sabbath as we go through the, the month of February stopping, resting, delighting, and worship. Because the heart of Sabbath is the experience of wholeness, Shabbat, Shalom. Stopping, so that the wholeness that God wants for us, that He has worked for us in Christ, may be something we experience. Hear from Luke 4 again. This is Jesus as He reads from the scroll of Isaiah The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight for the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what's one thing we could do this week to start implementing Sabbath? Whether you view Saturday or Sunday, it really doesn't matter. Uh, The the six days of creation don't have Monday, Tuesday attached to them. That's a much later invention. But a, a rhythm, a rhythm to your life. And I know some people have a weird six you know, three-on-three-off shift. So how do you navigate this? Set aside at least an afternoon, maybe a few hours. Start. Baby steps. Maybe in preparation. Let's say, and again, it doesn't, this is just as an example. It could be any day of the week, but imagine if Sunday is going to be your Sabbath, your day off, where you turn off all the stuff and you just spend the day You come to worship and then you spend the day. Maybe you have a meal in community and then you take the the Sunday afternoon just to reflect, to be with your family, to do something that feeds your soul. Maybe on Saturday, back it up a day to the day before. Prepare for the Lord's day. Plan what you're going to do for breakfast and lunch the next day. Simple Cook free as possible. Do all the preparation and kitchen cleanup the day before. One of the things we've done is that Friday nights are pizza and movie night. Saturday, we're trying to kind of work into this Sabbath thing. So we cook enough pizza that the kids don't have to ask for anything the next day. And there's lots of leftover popcorn too. So it's like you are on your own for food today. Like the kitchen is closed. And that's about as far as we've gotten so far. Baby step. But then maybe think about adding this one little thing to to this, whether it's on your Friday night or your Saturday night before Sunday. At the supper meal, just simply read Psalm 23. Simply read Psalm 23 in the evening, on Saturday evening, as as you've wrapped everything up and as you're getting ready for the next day. Turn the screens off after supper. Maybe play some games, read some books, go to bed early. We'll talk about other things that we can start practicing, just simple things that can feed our souls over the next number of weeks. But plan for a day of rest. Plan for a day of rest. And think about, pray through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul let's pray Lord it's uh, it's hard to think about practical application when the real practical application of all of this is to stop doing stuff, of letting go of the incessant need to be connected to um, to have a screen in front of our face, to have the news on, to have the noise of the world always on us, of feeling edgy if there's silence. Lord, in this season, I ask that you would help us to embrace life-giving rhythms so that we're not frazzled and frantic. Lord, that you would restore our souls so we're not so reactive that we could be people of shalom, peace, wholeness, Stability in a world that doesn't know anything about shalom. Lord, that we could embody in some way the peace that passes all understanding that is ours in Christ Jesus that somehow seems to elude us so often. We're just so busy. We're so distracted. We're so caught up in needing to react to what's going on around us, we don't take the time to just stop and be with you. And so, Lord, would you teach us to just stop and rest in you? Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the rhythm you created in creation. Thank you for the redemption that you have worked for us that we don't deserve, that we could never work for ourselves and we just have to receive it as the gift that it is. And Lord, help us to anticipate that when we leave this world of busyness and brokenness and craziness, we will be with you forever. And all the sorrows and the tensions and the problems will fade away because we see you face to face and our hearts will be whole and healed forever. Give us a hunger to be with you so that Sabbath is never a chore, but a simple, holy delight. In Jesus' name, amen.